0: Okay, so I'm sitting here with the grand liege. You know him as George Pendle, famed author, uh, future TV star. Uh, so George, let's let's get into some real stuff here. Um, so I, I've just done an episode on barbed wire for A Noun, shameless plug right off the bat. And the, the one thing that I stumbled across while researching you was an article that, if not you, another George Pendle wrote about barbed wire. Would you like to admit to penning such a...
1: I, I, I admit I was responsible. Okay.
0: So there's a couple things in that article I'd like to talk to you about. I found some things deeply disturbing. Uh, <laughs> first of all, you named three things as being important to the West. And, and I respect the fact you put barbed wire on there. But you have the cult. Now, when I did this, I thought it was the railroads, of course. We both agree on that. We both agree uh-huh. on barbed wire. Now the thing yeah. where you and I, the place where you and I differ, you go left, I go right. is <laughs> I think the Telegraph was significantly more important than the cult.
1: Well, I guess I kind of, you know, thought the whole idea of the Wild West, the, the taming of the West with the Colt pistol, seemed, you know, a little more. Oh, you kind were of pandering, dramatic, I see. right? Right. <laughs> I guess, you know, uh, I know my audience. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but no, I, I, I think both are in, entirely fair. I think, um, you know, the Cold Pistol, you know, uh, it just is a fun other thing to add to it. No, um, I like
0: that. I'll give you that. Uh, at, least, at the very least, we should combine them and say that these top four things, none of them <laughs> can be interchanged. But there are four things that settled the West. Do not forget any of them. Can we agree on that?
1: Exactly. I think we can agree on that. OK.
0: The other thing. Is that you? You now I, I got to give you credit because you dug up a lot of names in the history of barbed wire, which becomes very confusing. But one of the things, as you mentioned in 1967, that Alfonso Dobbs was the inventor. Uh, now, I'm going to take issue on that on several different fronts, but not the least of which was in 1853, William Merriweather in Texas actually was the first person to patent barbed wire. Um, now, this is a very confusing time, so I'll, I'll give you that. But why did you pick Alfonso Dobb besides having probably the best name, although Merriweather is a close second?
1: Alfonso Dobb, how can you how can you not mention him in some way as being responsible <laughs> for, for the barbed wire? Um, I, I believe the, the sources I went to uh, uh, basically chose Dob. I'm not entirely, you're going to have to forgive me. Uh-huh. I don't have the details of that piece directly to, to, to hand. No, this is but, much
0: better. I like watching you scramble and squirt. This <laughs> is much better.
1: But, you know, the picketed strip, Dob. I mean, I, I feel like the word Dob is so the opposite of like barbed wire. It seems so soft and round as opposed to spiky and, and sharp. Um if he wasn't the first person to, to invent barbed wire, then he should have been. You know, that's right.
0: Okay, that's a fair enough argument. Uh, all right, I'm, not through, I'm not through running through the ringer <laughs> on this article. So the other thing is you mentioned that um, barbed wire, if struck by lightning, all the barbs would lump together and leave stretches of the fence barb-free. Now, this seems to be a little dramatic. So how does the physics of that work? That First of all, what are the odds of a fence getting struck by lightning? And then how do all the barbs bunch together? Was this written purely for dramatic effect? And if so, I question you as a journalist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do. I'm being questioned as a journalist the whole time, so so that's nothing new. But from what I understand, this was actually a, a legitimate reason for um, for the innovation uh, of of the uh, the early barbs, um, uh, or rather of having stoppers between the barbs. Um, the fact that sometimes these these wires did kind of kind of melt together. Um, they kind of ran along the fence and kind of melted into a clump. Yeah. i have never seen it myself. Uh, but this is what I, I I remember reading from one of the, the early 19th century practitioners. Um, Fascinating. That, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure how often a barbed wire fence would get. I, I imagine planes, you know, a metal source there, not much else, no trees. I, probably quite often, yeah. I think, you know, every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I
0: guess they're not very high. You know, so like usually there's a big trees in the way, but I mean it is the plains. I am from the Great Plains, and it is pretty flat. All right, so I'll I'll give you that one. All right, one more thing here. Actually, two more things. Um, So you, you, now I take issue with this because you claim that Jacob Hayes got beaten out by Joseph Glidden, which okay, it's true, the Supreme Court ruling of 1892 will prove you correct, but I gotta tell you, this barb that you threw at Jacob Haish was unnecessary, albeit pretty hilarious, is that you said Haish, unable to be credited as the father of barbed wire, made sure that he could be titled as the father of barbed wire poetry, and then you list a a poem that he wrote about barbed wire. Well, my new fan of the show, Jessie LaRue, Haish, by the way, heir to the Haish fortune, I think she would be too happy about that? What do you have to say to her and her family that you besmirched?
1: I, I, I did not besmirch her in any respect. I think Bob wire poetry is a very uh, you know fascinating branch of of of, of other wired poetry. Um, uh, all I would say is that I think Jacob H was a genius, um, just a little <laughs> little too late. Uh, that's my only my only problem.
0: Now I would say actually, what's funny about the story is I think Jacob H actually beat them to the punch. Um because in the end, which is actually a fascinating twist on the story, again, no pun intended, is that Jacob Hayes gets credit for the barbed wire stretcher, and Joseph Glidden ends up getting credit for the barb. So, in the end, after that Supreme Court case, what they end up doing is they fought for years over patent rights, and you know, twenty years later, they have a handshake agreement that one company will pay the other seventy five cents per hundred pounds for their innovation and vice versa which if they had done that 20 years ago, they'd be millions of dollars richer. Um, guys and their uh, egos, you know what I mean?
1: There you go. Well, I'm, you know, it's just, I'm just happy that you know, Bob Dwyer could, could bring two people together as well as keep them apart. <laughs> right. you know,
0: a- <laughs> and the one thing, this is very disturbing, and, and I may end up posting a video on Twitter because I found this to be incredibly disturbing. And it's not something you wrote, but something I discovered while reading your article is that there's a place in Kansas... Called the they they call themselves it's Lacrosse by the way Lacrosse mm-hmm. Kansas they call themselves the barbed wire capital of the world I found that to be incredibly offensive so Lacrosse if you're listening know, listen well because the Illinois is the barbed wire capital of the world everyone knows that from the east to the west around the world. You're on notice, LaCrosse. I'm just pointing <laughs> uh, that out right uh, now.
1: I sense a, a, a blood feud about to erupt. I hope once so. More.
0: <laughs> I, I hope so. And you caused it, George. You're, you're right at the centerpiece of this. Uh, okay, now let's, let's move away from barbed wire for a little bit. I think I've, I've entangled you enough on that. Uh, you put together, and I have no idea why you did this, but it's an incredibly funny video called um, That Was History, and it's about the circus prohibition. And about how clowns were uh, kind of stricken away from the circus and being clowning was made illegal.
1: Was this based on a real thing or what was this a video for? Uh, I, I I hate to disappoint, um, but it was uh, not necessarily something that can be found in history books. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Again, your journalism in history, integrity is well, in question. You know. I, As you know, as uh, you can probably tell, I'm fascinated by uh, America and the American West, and and I just thought, you know, what was the one thing that you know would have been perfect, uh, you know, that could have slipped into history perfectly? And I thought, well, prohibition, you know, that seems very American in a way, Uh, and you know, clowns. I also see that as kind of a very American thing. So tie them together, and what do you get? Clown prohibition. So it was really a kind (laughs) of natural fit. Yeah, it was my attempt to kind of interlope a piece of history into uh, into real American history.
0: Well, alternative histories, it's a very popular genre of, of fiction right now. So I like what you did there. You mentioned the Earp Brothers. I just did another shameless plug-in episode on the Wild West. If you're into the Wild West, I recommend you listening to it um, last week. And – Talk about the Earp Brothers, and in the story while I was learning about the Earp Brothers, I don't remember one single story where they shot a guy named Chuckles, and so that's really, that was really the tipping point where I kind of cocked my eyebrow and said, I don't know how much, how much truth is in this story.
1: Uh, that's true it's it, it was actually a spin-off of a previous book I did called the remarkable Millard Fillmore which was a, a biography of the 13th president um, and most people uh, consider Fillmore to be one of the the more boring lesser-known presidents but uh in my researches as well as client prohibition I discovered that he was actually a, a more interesting person than you might might have thought so oh, cool. um, yeah so so that, that was kind of interlinked in some way
0: I always thought we went from the 12th to the 14th president like in a in a hotel you never <laughs> quite go to the 13th floor so i've never even heard of this guy and i'm an american
1: so you're already teaching me things yeah oh, there we go um
0: now, now let's talk about your true passion okay we've talked about things obviously you're a journalist you write on a wide range of topics but i think that there's one thing that is near and dear to your heart and your feet and that's carpeting specifically airport carpeting what's going on here do you have a screw loose is, do you, have you been looked at by a professional assessed by a professional what's going on here
1: each of us in our lives finds something which we love I think something which we can really call our own you know uh, whether it be you know uh, the truck we own whether it be family but for me it was slightly different it was airport carpets um, and I can tell you exactly uh, the day it happened it was um, it was shortly uh, I actually, it was back in 2001, and it was shortly after uh, 9-11. I was living in New York, uh, and I was due to fly back to England, where I originally came from. And I was nervous, of course, as everybody was after 9-11 to fly. And so I had taken uh, various Xanax or Valium, I think it was, <laughs> and I was at the I was at the airport bar knocking back a few drinks. A healthy and,
0: response, and, as anyone would agree.
1: Uh, as anybody would agree. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was getting a bit woozy and ready to take off, and then I suddenly found out my flight had been delayed and it'd been delayed for like four hours. So I was stuck in this semi-comatose state in New York airport staring at the carpet. And, you know, I had nothing else to do. I was just there and I was woozy and I was looking at the carpet and suddenly the carpet looked back. And that's when I realized that maybe there was something more to carpets than, you know, just (laughs) a floor covering. And so from that day on, I kind of thought, well, you know, what is, what is it with airport carpets? Why do we have these, these giant, what are literally the, the, the biggest works of art in the world? And yet we completely ignore them. You know, they're, they're always there, but we never see them. They're always walked upon, but we never comment upon them. It's, they're just kind of there to be this kind of beige space, this, this kind of white noise to our lives. And, and I just thought they were kind of a fascinating thing, I, like this kind of weird industrial design that you're not meant to notice. And so the kind of more I looked into it, the more I kind of found them fascinating. You know, I, I found, you know, a kind of history of of flight and carpets. Um, you know, if you go back to, and, you know, this goes back a long way, not just to the first airport, but, you know, to the flying carpets of the Arabian Nights. Uh, you go back to the stories of a 1001 Arabian Nights and the story of King Solomon. He had a, a giant flying carpet. And uh, you go back to the story of, I think it's Prince Ahmad. Uh, and he has a carpet that can transport himself anywhere in the world. And I thought, has this always been there, this link between carpets and airports and flight? Transportation. Um, Transportation, yeah. And it turns out that, you know, a lot of the reason for the flying carpet, people think, is that uh, the original makers of carpets used a a dye called Syrian roux in the carpet design. It made it it give a certain kind of red. And as well as giving a red, it also had a kind of weird hallucinogenic effect. So many of the people who made these rugs back in, in Persia in ancient days, they got this feeling of kind of you know, of, of, of levitation of kind of flight while they were making these carpets. And so I thought this was a fascinating history and something that must be documented, <laughs> um, and followed through on. And so what I got was various people around the world as well as whenever I travel, i would take a picture of an airport carpet and I got friends too. And then their friends took pictures of airport carpets and slowly, but surely we, we got a whole database of airport carpets from around the world and we put them on a a website called carpetsforairports.com. And that's really the birth of the obsession. And and the more I looked into it though, the more I realized how perfect they were. The reason it's called carpets for airports is due to uh, a a music album by Brian Eno called music for airports. I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Eno's (laughs) music for airports, but basically music for airports is generally seen as the first ambient music album. And it all started when Brian Eno, (laughs) this musician, was waiting in Dusseldorf Airport and he was listening to the music that was being played through. And he thought, this is terrible music. I could come up with better music for an airport. And he designed music to be played in an airport. And I thought ambient, uh, you know, this ambient music is very similar to what carpets are, airport carpets are. They're kind of ambient uh, carpets, They're ambient visual textures. And they're just there to be not noticed until you notice them. You know, that's it. They're just there as this kind of weird beige space, as I mentioned. I just kind of—it became a bit of an obsession whenever I travelled. I'd take a picture of an airport carpet. Occasionally, this got me into trouble, um, and it got my friends into trouble when they were, you know, in in some slightly, you know, uh, oppressive, uh, you know, country. Uh, they'd be taking pictures of airport carpets, and police would surround them and say, "What are you doing?" This, and they'd say, I just want to photograph the carpet. Um, but it became—that's my hobby from uh, you know from the beginning.
0: Well, first of all, I don't know how you find time to do anything else, um, because you've because you've truly blanketed the world. Um, I didn't use carpeted the world. You blanket the world with your your troops, and you have lots of samples. I mean, this is a truly noble endeavor, uh, and I tip my hat to you because it's something that is seems insurmountable, but you are just doing it one square at a time.
1: That's it. It's um, it's something which I hope will be there for generations uh, to come and will be added to. Until every apple carpet in the world is documented and uh, you know and appreciated,
0: and I, I love the parallel between you know the, the the spiritual quest that these people accidentally went on in ancient Persia while creating these carpets. Um, you kind of mimic that on your post nine uh, eleven days as you walked through, and as everyone knows, John Empire of Empire Carpets five eight eight two three hundred. He said famously, and, I, and you you experienced this firsthand, but is if you gaze into the carpet, beware for the carpet will soon gaze into you, and it sounds like that's what happened
1: very much so I, I put it down as one of the top thousand and three events in my life, um, so it was definitely there um, amongst amongst a few others <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is uh, that is a fascinating story uh, and I do want to say that I'd like to be a part of this uh, i what I'm going to do is I've noted now one thing. If I may give you just one little tip here, because I think that there's very little room for improvement, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> uh, but if one thing I would I would improve on is the it is very difficult to cause so basically on the website you have a, a slight a spinning globe, um, which is spinning in the correct direction. Which is very important. Uh, (laughs) And you have these little red dots all over, which tell you where the airport is. And then you click on the dot and it pulls up a picture of the carpeting. A couple of my favorites, I just want to go through these really quickly because I thought these were two great ones. The Murmansk uh, Airport in Russia. Now, you claim that the Pushkin and Son aggressively carpeted the subway system because each picture comes with uh, a little note, a little history, a little factoid. And you say that in 1954, Pushkin and Son aggressively carpeted the subway system in Russia. Is there any validity to that?
1: Uh, yes, it, it appears on a website, um, and uh, and I believe it's probably, possibly, could be true if you look at it in the right frame of mind. <laughs> <laughs> Which is
0: fun. What was what was your cocktail? Xanax and
1: uh, uh, yeah, you okay. know, we a little Xanax and gin and tonic, <laughs> sure. I think, you know, two together. Right, okay but only uh, in the
0: proper, uh, only proper amounts.
1: Yes, exactly. Now, I, there are there are certain uh, certain of the descriptions. of The carpets um, are not well known um, and possibly wouldn't stand up in court. Um, okay. but but I, I think the carpets speak for themselves, really
0: well then that changes a few things but I do want to mention one other thing because you, you click on uh, one of them's male international airport now I know just me saying this there is no female international airport so I'm assuming this will cause a protest somewhere uh, in the very near future um, but there's no carpet in this airport it's actually tile but you included it anyway um i I, I was very very disturbed by this I think it's an abomination it goes entirely against what you're trying to do what gives
1: no I, I, I agree that the, the reason that uh these awful non-carpeted floorings are included i terrazzo, there's a linoleum i mean they're terrible is to really kind of show the horrors of what may happen uh if airport carpeting goes away a lot of airport carpeting is under threat because oh, people are finding that. yeah no it's true in a post 9-11 world and this is absolutely true uh a lot of airports have turned away from carpets because they're so hard to maintain it's hard to get uh the uh, maintenance crews through back and forth through security to maintain them and it costs more money so people go for hard floorings. And now I think hard floorings offer none of the, the, not only the, The aesthetic splendor, but the comfort that a carpet uh, carpet offers. Um, Well, hold on a second.
0: Hold hold on a second. I want to make sure you're not trying to pull one over on my audience. Now, is this one of your quasi-journalistic factoids, or is this true? No, no,
1: no. This is absolutely true. I I mean, some of the descriptions of the carpets on the websites are a little out there. But the actual carpet, what I'm telling you now, is all based on fact. Everything um, from the Persian carpets to the fact that there are fewer apple carpets now is is fact. And in fact, a lot of European carpets, like uh, I think the Norwegian carpet in the, Os- uh, the oslo uh has uh has wood there um and part of the airport the carpets for airports kind of aim is to keep carpets alive in one's mind even though there are all these hard floorings coming up um, i kind of find them fascinating as an object which has to kind of be aesthetically pleasant but also has to incorporate stains in them <laughs> so <laughs> kind of, it's a very strange mixture of art and practicality. Sure. Uh, so, so no, no, this is very true, and and lots of apple carpets disappearing. Fortunately, uh, the United States is one of the few places which seems to be holding on to its carpets.
0: Yeah, well, we've got a long history of carpets, I believe. Um that you know, it's it's it, I think it was in the first draft of the Star Spangled Banner, but they ended up cutting out. <laughs> if you go deep enough into the verses, you will hear a thing about carpeting. Uh, and, <laughs> and one thing I want to mention about Mail International Airport, which now I'm not sure if I can trust this anymore, but they lowest they have the lowest high point in the world at seven foot seven inches, which means if Shaq walked around in six inch heels, he would be the tallest thing. In, in the country.
1: He would be. That's why he's not allowed that. They've, <laughs> they've actually banned him. It's, uh, it's a tragic. Wait. That so, is, that is tragic. Now,
0: so I'll go back. I get distracted with all these carbons. I want to go back to the point. As you zoom in on this, it's hard to pinpoint where all the red dots are. So, for example, wow. in the Los Angeles area, you've got two you've got LAX and you've got Long Beach. Now, if, if I'm correct here, I can go down in the history and I really I want to do this. So reserve this for me. Burbank Airport. Is not listed on your no. carpets. Is this true? You don't know. It might be. It might be. Okay.
1: We we do have. I, I, I understand. We are kind of hoist by our own petard. We are we are we are too popular, and we have to change the graphics somehow to be more easily searchable. Um, and we also do have a big backlog of carpets. Burbank may be in the backlog. We have probably another two hundred pictures of carpets waiting to get on the site. Okay. Which uh, Okay. We're, we're trying to work out a way of of fitting them on without kind of crowding out you know so so, so they're easily searchable okay um, well,
0: well now hold on a second now i i'm here talking to you right now let's make a deal okay i don't care about your backlog if if burbank <laughs> is not on that list i'm gonna go take a picture uh will you include me on the list if i get it to you by today
1: you will you will become an airport carpenter par excellence Ugh. that's it
0: that is all. That is why you're the grand liege. I'm gonna give that to you. I'm going down in the in the. I'm gonna go get that for your website. I'm gonna become a carpeteer, um, and I'm gonna have links to all this. I'm gonna have links to my carpet. Um, this has been incredible. Is have I forgotten anything else about carpets, or have we covered all? of it? I don't want to leave anything it, behind.
1: You can never cover all of carpets. Um, But I think we've done a pretty good job of starting.
0: I I think you have. I see a 501c3 in the future. This has been incredibly fascinating. You are a a very interesting guy. Your books and interests, much like mine, you've managed to turn them into a passion. Uh, This is incredible. George, thanks for sticking around and talking to me.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Uh, And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night.